Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Atlanta Sports Guys with ninety nine the games. Garrett Chapman, twenty four seven Sports. Garrett Chapman, he's all over the internet, <laughs> and many are saying that uh, the, one of the quickest rising stars in the Atlanta sports scene. Garrett, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The girlfriend's not quite as happy that uh picked up the other job, but you know, <laughs> she's oh. very supportive. No, she's very supportive. She actually was very quick to t- she was the first person to tell me to take it. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's you, you do what you can, and it's How great. That- you know, so I just picked up at Georgia Tech, so that's that's gonna be a lot of fun. Kind of expanding the the role, so to speak. Are you going to travel with the team? Are you going to go? Maybe a little bit. I don't mm. think a lot. Um, I'll be doing most of the like home football games. Maybe an occasional basketball game if the the situation calls for it. But for mm-hmm. the most part, no. Just keeping it home football games and recruiting. Those are the two big things. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like it. Does it affect your day to day with ninety nine at all? <clears> or no. No, not really. No, it's one of those things. It's just adds in. It just means I have to be a little bit better with my mornings. I, mm-hmm. I've heard your morning routines are, are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot lot like that. You know, so it's like waking up and grinding in the a.m. and then going to the day job and then going to the night job at 92.9, you know, so. Here you go, man. This is what you need. Uh, this is. <laughs> exactly. My, it's honestly my key uh, every single day is the and this, but you need not, not this color pen, but the Pilot G210, but it had to be a bold point 10. And you get the black one, yeah. the red one, and you get the green one. Um, and also a blue if you want to date it with a different color. So you okay. at, at a different date. And you have a little bubble next to your uh, to-do list for each thing all day long. And you just check that thing off with the green line every time you get through it. And if you didn't get through that day, you circle it with the red. And you yeah. really hate it. You hate circling at the end <laughs> of the day. You're like, I didn't get to this. This sucks. And then you won't uh, do it the next day. So the red is not your friend at the end of the day. But... And that is that's, fair. that's the lifesaver is the day to day steno pad is my my go to. See, I'm a big I'm a big checklist guy. I, mm-hmm. I need my I generally use like post-it notes or something like that. And I just go through or write down every single thing that I need to do. Best feeling in the world is crossing that stuff off. But you so. lose the post-it notes like this. You can just keep going like this is See, it's too they, big. It's too big. I want to stick it to the side. So it's like I'm still doing my work, mm. but then I can like. It's like around and like, all right, what else do I need to do? And then bang. And that's right there. Well, you can get a smaller one. There's a, where is my, <laughs> I've got a small one. I, I have one that I actually use for um, when I do high school football games, I bring it to yeah. high school football games. That's what I use. Yeah. So it just, it's like really, really little. Yes. <clears throat> I, I've kind of trended it away from doing that. Hmm. I do it normal. I do like notes on my phone now, but the only downside is that it looks like I'm just texting during yeah. the game. So I don't want to do that all the time. But, I also you know. don't retain the same. It's like uh, when I was in school, one of the biggest things I did when I was an undergrad was that like the difference between how much I retained in class from writing yeah. notes by hand versus typing my notes. Yeah. I don't know there's, why there's that no is. There's a serious practice between yeah. that stuff. So it's like there's some people you have to you have to hear it. Mm-hmm. Like somebody has, some people have to speak it. Mm-hmm. Some people have to write it down. Some people actually have to do it. Yeah. Like there's and, and there's like different levels for everybody and everyone's mm-hmm. different. I don't know. I learned that when I was a, in high school or middle yeah. school or something like that. How was Christmas uh, with the with the stash? How was the family with it and all the Christmas photos, including <laughs> the, the So stash? the girlfriend loves it the most. That's the funniest mm. part. That's the reason it's still there. But mm. I got ragged a little bit for it. But it wasn't, you know what? They see me enough that it's like they, they've, they've seen it slowly. And I mean slowly. Emphasis on the slow. Slowly mm. grow it over time. So 
this is it. This is like after like almost two months. So yeah. it's been a minute. It's been on the face for for quite some time. I'm but, proud of you yeah. for sticking it out. Yeah. See, I mean, it's it's November. November mm-hmm. was kind of brutal, and then early December, I was like, okay, you can actually start seeing it. And that's when I started getting like people started ribbing me for it, and then now it's actually kind of grown in a little bit. So it's like mm-hmm. actually coming together little by it, little. I swear it looks redder every time I see it. <clears throat> no. <laughs> It's the thing is, it's like you have the benefit of having the way the light hits me right here, mm-hmm. so you can actually see it pretty effectively. That's why mm-hmm. I was like, when I sat down, I was like, "Dang, I need a shape." Mm-hmm. That's because I didn't, I normally can't see it. Um, so you had a, I guess the the distinct pleasure of being able to see it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, how was your Christmas? Did you get anything good? It was good. No, it was good. I got some AirPods from the girlfriend, and mm-hmm. um, no, it was good. It was it was a What'd chance to. I got her a nice pair of shoes. Okay, like yeah, walking little, shoes like, or like dress shoes, like dressy. No, for they're nice like dinner. the fancy, like the sneakers or whatever. Like the okay. they're Nike Dunks or something. Okay, did remember. she like give you a she link? Picked or... them out. Okay, I was gonna <laughs> say. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it was foolproof. I could never go. lose. I couldn't lose. Yeah, I mean, it's it picking out things. I mean, now for my wife, um, it's hard uh getting the right thing and uh just being like hey what what do you want and and then you run to the point of like i feel like i've gotten you this a lot um because it's just safe but i feel like now that i've been with you for three years i feel like there's a lot of consistency like uh in what i want to get you and yeah i don't know like i'm i just send like bookmarks to my family of like all Mm -hmm. the different things i just being 31 and asking for gifts is so weird it's still so uncomfortable where you're like i could just buy it like i just i I don't like sending thing. stuff I want and having that people buy it. I don't like it. Yeah, I haven't made a, I haven't made a Christmas list of things I want. It's just like if like if you find something that you want to get me, fine, mm. that's great, that's beautiful. But otherwise, I just send stuff now okay. because it 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 makes my mom and grandma happy that I'm sending it, and it, it takes off their plate because they want they don't want to give cash. No one in my family wants to do the cash or gift okay. cards, anything like that. So I'm like, all right, well then I'm literally just going to go on my bookmarks <clears throat> and just copy all my bookmarks for <laughs> this is all the stuff that, that, I wanted. that I'm like, I want to get it. Uh, I would get uh, throughout the year and it works. And then you're always happy because you're like, this is all stuff I would have bought anyway. See, my dad's a cash guy and then my mom's yeah. not a gift person. Mm. So it's like, eh. like so she doesn't like getting gifts I, or giving gifts. She doesn't like giving gifts, getting gifts. Mm. Like it's not, no one in my family is like a big gift person. Yeah. I guess her thing is quality time. She, she just wants to come over and, be at the house you know like, yeah. that's all she cares about she comes to make dinner and and sit here and watch football with us and all that stuff what that's was your christmas likes. dinner we chinese food <laughs> really yeah my brother was in charge of getting uh groceries and he didn't go do it so um oh, everything wow. was closed so we had chinese and How it was delicious and we had a great time it was Good awesome it. i had okay. some mushu pork never had that fantastic where'd you go to chinese there was a good spot over know, there like Grand in china uh, place or something i don't know it's like down the road for me Okay. I'm a little five. There's yeah. It's literally at that point it was like whatever's open, I will go take. Whatever there is. Yeah. And I will say thank you. <laughs> How is little five? Good? I love it. I love little five. It's a beautiful spot. Mm-hmm. One Man. of my favorite spots in the city. Miss Atlanta. I will tell you the last thing on Atlanta and we'll uh get into some actual sports stuff. I was driving <laughs> uh, I was showing my wife um Thanksgiving because like the f- what was it, Saturday, I guess? I took her around and drove her around in a lot of different spots I used to go to mm-hmm. and like where I lived and over there in the Virginia Highlands for a long time. And then I, um, cause the city was dead. I think it was either Friday or Saturday. I don't remember which day it was during, um, Thanksgiving break, but there was no traffic. No one was on the road. And I can't remember which mm-hmm. day it was. I think it was Saturday, 
But um, I remember I went by Grant Park and I used to work in Grant Park years ago uh, for years and love Grant Park. But yeah. Grant Park has this whole thing now, like behind the zoo, like a whole literal like Greenway Park, beautiful cool. thing. But I like, I swear they were, they signed the deal or whatever when I was still working over there. And I was like, oh, that'll be like a thing that they, because nothing gets done quickly in the city. Nothing gets done. And you're just like, all right, I'll see it in like 25 years. Like, <laughs> all right, well, uh, I guess everything is nice. And they built this whole thing and they're just done. And yeah, I, I just it, drove by and I'm like, what in the world happened to Grant Park? This is insane. Grant Park's so cool. No, yeah. Atlanta's, Atlanta's that kind of place. It's like, if you... So I, I graduated from high school in 2014. Just mm. the time between the time I graduated from high school and today, it's almost unrecognizable. Midtown, mm. the Beltline, you've got, I mean, like what you talked about, Grant Park. I mean, you get up into Smyrna, like Smyrna, like you go all the way up there. You have the battery, all of that stuff. It is so unrecognizable at this point. It's crazy. This city has exploded. I yeah. love it. Oh, I love you're I like the only person who's like more people should move here. It's exploded. No, it's I didn't great. say that. I didn't say that. I, <laughs> I, I do like I do like that. They're like there's like a, a serious investment in, into the city itself. Mm. And I, I think I love that part of the city more than anything. But the, I also like the urbanization of, of everything. And I think that's cool. I'm, I mean, I'm here near Reynolds town. So it's very nice. These houses back here are so pretty now. And it's it's great. There you go. I, I like it. Garrett. <laughs> um things i don't like the atlanta falcons as of late the last two weeks with desmond ritter now that you've seen him for a little bit and the difference between week one and week two for him uh what are your strong takeaways from ritter um it was his connection with the rest of the guys on the team i, I think the team's rallied around him a bit <clears throat> the team hasn't played exceptionally well the defense has played well but the offense has looked has been kind of lacking mm-hmm. um i don't lay i don't lay that at the feet of desmond ritter necessarily but one thing I do look around and see is like, okay, well, the offensive line's playing well. That's a good thing. Check. Drake London, all of a sudden, is is looking like the guy that we drafted at eight overall. Check. And we look into next year, and it's like, we're going to get a new weapon, and Kyle Pitt's back. Check. Tyler Algier is going to be back, and he's going to have the full att- attention of the of the offense I think, throughout the entire offseason. Check. Like we're, we're in a good situation. Like, I'm not... Sitting here judging, I, I I said this all season. I'm not judging the season based off of wins and losses. I don't want to feel one type of way or the other based off of a win loss record in a season where we were expected to win three games or something. Mm. You know, so I think this team is in good shape. I think we have an identity moving forward. Desmond Ritter, I'm convinced he's going to be the guy next year. He's going to get another opportunity. Um, I, I think he's going to come in and look very good on Sunday. I think mm. this is his first home start. There's a little bit of pressure, but most of that's out the window now. Um, he's made it. He's making his third start in the NFL. Still doesn't have a touchdown pass, which I think he's going to rectify on Sunday. I, I really think he's going to have a big game on Sunday. I, that's my big thought. Tyler Algiers is really settled in. Cordero Patterson's looking good. I mean, like, look, this team is going to be fine. Uh, looking into next season, I don't see a need. I, I posted this on Twitter. I said it was like, hey, go get, go take a look at Derek Carr. I don't think they will. Um, Lamar Jackson is going to cost too much money. He's not coming here anyway. Desmond is going to be your guy. If they draft a quarterback, I'm not too thrilled about that idea. But look, after two starts, I'm comfortable to say give him another opportunity because of the progression that we saw from game one to game two. And if we see that progression from game two to game three, then I'm going to be even more excited about what he could potentially be, which is just at this point a competent starter. And that's all I really want to see out of him. 
something has to get. The Cardinals have lost five straight. They're four and eleven. Yeah. The Falcons are five and ten. They've lost four straight. Um, they're well, they're right going to fire a coach. That's yeah. the difference. Well, the, the Falcons move to number four um, if they drop this game. They Actually, will. maybe even tied for number three uh, with Seattle because they get Denver's pick. Maybe they can right? go as high as two. Yeah, they can go as high as two. I, I don't think they're going to catch Chicago and Houston. They need Chicago's Chicago to win some games if they're yeah. going to go to two. Houston is where they are. They're pretty much set there. But I just you know, the if you get to four, I mean that's Will great. Anderson territory. If you get to three, that mm. means you're guaranteed either Jalen Carter, in my opinion, you're guaranteed yeah. Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Yeah, whole done. That's all I want. Yeah. That is all I want. If I can get my hands on one of those two guys, th- those two would radically change the identity of this defense immediately, just overnight. And if, especially Jalen Carter, I'm, yeah. I'm convinced that if you go get a Jalen Carter and stick him next to Grady Jarrett, your defensive line is all of a sudden one of the best in football. Yeah. It's that simple because then you go in and make maybe one or two signings in the defensive line, which they are going to make some serious investment on in this defense next year. Um, they're going to go get a wide receiver. They're going to go get a center, maybe a guard on this offensive line, provide some depth, but they're going to go get some game changers on defense and a, maybe a wide receiver. That's what you need on this team. And yeah. if you can get a Jalen Carter in the draft, dude, I, I, I've watched this guy play every single Saturday. Mm. He is a game wrecker, and that's what this team needs. I would still lean Will Anderson. Will Anderson, I would not be upset if I got... Will Anderson is who I wanted at the beginning of the season. Uh, He's going to play every snap. He's going to be very good. They're both going to be very good. I just the snap stuff with Jalen Carter for me, where I'm like the interior guys. I'm always going to be more wary of drafting the interior guy over the edge guy. Um, and that which which non pressure was your favorite against Tyler Huntley last weekend, uh, Garrett? Which which opportunity did you enjoy the most for the Falcons? Uh, let Tyler. Huntley well, here's do the thing, though. But Jalen yeah. Carter, I think Jalen Carter creates those opportunities for your edge guys, mm-hmm. and you did just go out and invest in like an Arnold Ebicati and all these other guys. Not that. That needs to be a reason for drafting Jalen Carter or not. I, I just want one of those two guys, yeah. really. And I would not be, I, I would not split hairs. So pissed if they. Can you imagine the city if they go Bijan and they're like, we got our Derrick Henry with this staff? Can you imagine if they went Bijan at four? I mean, I'd love Bijan. The thing is, I, I I think it'd be fantastic, but that's lipstick it. on a pig. It's it's just not where this team is right now, and that's the same thing as. The Giants going out and selecting Saquon Barkley yeah. number two overall. Sure, it was flashy and exciting at first. They have so many issues, and they have been so bad as a result of that that decision. So bad. And, and there's just no reason that you like. It's never really worked for the team that drafts the running back that highly. Mm. It just it just doesn't work. I mean, unless you're Unless you're like Philadelphia and you're using the Saints pick to use it, and it's mm-hmm. like, all right, what? How else can we just increase our embarrassment of riches? Okay, go get a Bijan Robinson. That, like, that's it. That, that's the only team that I can see like legitimately jumping in and doing that kind of pick. It doesn't make any NFL sense to me. Has this oh man, <laughs> Google. Just say next. Hey Google. <laughs> Off. <laughs> That was great. That was um, I lost my train of thought completely. That scared the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, you're... Uh, um, there you go. That was funny. Um, All right, reset. <laughs> I'm going to have a sip of coffee. That's never happened on this podcast before. No, um, I've had it, it. That's been sitting there right there. 
Yeah. Well, there you go. Now you know it works, and it's very oh, sensitive. Well, I know it works. Um, but no, we're not, you, if we take Bijan Robbins, then I will have a. I think Max might just out. burn all the jerseys. I think uh, uh, Max might have an aneurysm. I might have a conniption fit though. Like in all reality, I would have a conniption fit. I think if they're at five, they're going Bijan. Like I think if they're out of the or they no. trade down to no. take Bijan. No, they'll still take a Myrie, uh, Miles Murphy, or they'll take the uh, Tyree out of out of Texas Tech. Like this team has. Hold options. on, Terry Fontenot has taken who in the first round back to back years? Oh, I get it. I get what he's done in the past. I get what he's done in the past. The and, track record and, is only offensive skill players in the first round to this point. Well, he has prioritized that. He's had two opportunities. If he does it again, mm-hmm. if he goes and drafts like like a, I don't even know what is like Jackson Smith and Jigbo or something like yeah. that. Are we going to do that? Granted, on the on the other hand, like we would have a very dumb. We would have the best wide, one of the best young, probably the best young wide receiver core in the NFL if we did that. I. I'm if we did that, we would have guy. pass catchers. You'd I think have it'd Kyle be more Pitts, of a Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and um, and and Drake London. That's pretty good. I think they would prefer Quentin Johnson. They like I these big dudes. I like they Quentin love Johnson. the big receivers. I love and... Quentin Johnson. I think Quentin Johnson's a he's he's sneakily one of the best players in this draft. Yeah, I think I he's going to shoot up draft boards. Will Levis, but I might just burn the, the whole city down. Will, Will Levis, Levis might be enough to, for me to like absolutely lose my mind. And because no, I no, because Will Levis is the tools. Will Levis is a Will Levis is a stud. He I think we've seen stud. enough from Raider. I want to see a full couple of years, and I would rather. No, but path... I don't want him. I don't want the Falcons no. to take him. Don't get me. Con- don't get it twisted there. Like I'm not. I don't want the Falcons to take. Wait, him. would you however, be more upset about however, Levis or Bijan Robinson? Bijan Robinson tenfold. Interesting. I would not. See, no, because the thing is, it's if if Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, they're going to go through the process and they're going to talk to Will Levis. They are. Mm-hmm. They're going to go through the meetings and talk to him at the combine and whatever else. If they fall in love with him, like if he is your guy, like you talk to him and he is exactly what you want to lead this team at quarterback, take him and then start him and then don't look back. That is just the situation that I feel like I'm in. However, if you don't fall in love with him, don't just take a quarterback to take a quarterback. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They, this is not that. That's not what this team needs. This team. This team needs depth. It needs playmakers. It needs difference makers on defense. That's what it needs. However, quarterback, we're still not set. Desmond Ritter, I'd like to see what he can do next year, but that doesn't mean he needs to be the guy next year. Uh, I think you, you should find give a guy him the full the year. Tools, I think we've seen enough where he's not a dumpster fire. I would do like oh, he's not a dumpster thing. fire. I, I think he's a. Com- I think his ceiling is competent starter. I think he can ten be to fifteen. Like Derek he's a Carr. ten to fifteen quarterback. Where it's like if you have a great supporting cast around him, he's smart enough and going to do enough to put you in a position to win a lot of football games. He's Jimmy Garoppolo. He's yeah. Alex Smith. Like he's one of those dudes. Like he's a good player. The team likes him. But then if you really want to get into and he's going to win games, he he's good enough, I think, to win a division title, maybe get you to an NFC championship game, maybe even a Super Bowl. But I, this team has too many other needs that we, we need to we need to figure yeah, out. You can't out first. To burn another quarterback. I would do no. like and it's not my bias, but I would go hooker in like the fourth round. Just bring in another. He's older. Good backup. Um, I think he'd be actually pretty solid in this game. Um, yeah. Just do another I flyer like that as the backup. Um I see I, them drafting a quarterback. Yeah, I, I, do I really do see them drafting a quarterback, just not in the first round. Maybe not even the third round. Third round's too high for me. I don't think Hooker's not going in the third round either. I think Hooker's going to drop to like the fourth or fifth round, probably. But we're also so early in this process that you don't yeah. really know. It's just coming off the knee injury and the fact that he's 25. Round. You're not yeah. drafting a backup quarterback in the third round. 
So, yeah. I mean, granted, Desmond Ritter was drafted in the third round, and many of those guys were supposed to be like plus backups, I guess. But um, so, never mind. I, I'm going to retract that last statement. Because Tony like, Romo, like, Malik Wilson was drafted point, right? in the third round to Malik, be a backup to Tony Romo. So, what? Like, Malik is nowhere near ready. You saw it in Josh Dobbs no. come in, and you look at Desmond no. Ritter. He's completely different. Like Desmond no, Ritter, Desmond I think Ritter plays much better. Yeah, he plays controlled. Yes, he plays within the offense, and he looks better. Malik Willis flat. He has like more flashiness. Like he has mm. that bigger. He's the bigger arm. More untapped uh, potential. Yeah, tons like, of untapped. The floor potential. for Ritter is so high. Like you can just see it. Like the yeah. dude when he his answers where he's like, I was so concerned with getting the ball out so quickly in Week One against New Orleans that. I just had to like figure out, hey, it's okay for me to give my guy some time to get downfield and to mm-hmm. just run out of the pocket and not just think I got to get the ball out quick because the game's moving so fast that he's already adjusting to stuff like that. I just, I think he's he so is, smart. He's a super smart quarterback, and yeah. I think I would just be so much more comfortable following, even if you wanted to sign Tannehill <laughs> outright or something. You to know, back up. Somebody brought that up. I had a mm-hmm. show on Monday. We, uh, the Dopey Millennials had a show mm. on Monday. Pretty exciting stuff, actually, but pretty riveting if you get a chance to go back and listen, check it out on the Odyssey app. But <laughs> what time are you on on Monday? To... Say what? What time are you on on Monday? Oh, we were on um, 10 till 2.30, so a four and a half hour show. We had a oh, you were show. on, wait, you're not in the evening. You're talking about in the daytime. Yeah, we did. On there Monday. you go. Mid-day. Boxing day, man. Okay. Yeah, so there's like an extended holiday. I'm going to start calling station, it. So. Text man, I'll Do call it. Do it. No, we, um, but basically, no, but so we talked to one of our Falcons insiders and he actually brought up the name Ryan Tannehill. And I think yeah. Ryan Tannehill, his stretch is about done in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's sort of run that race, so to speak. And no, he's, he, I think he could be a very interesting option to come down here. He's what, going to make $10 million on this next contract, maybe per year? That's not that bad. You come and bring him in here, be a, a, potential starting quarterback with another bridge year, but I, it's I an interesting in option. I don't if, think he has options. Like you look around no. the league, who's giving him a starting job after Tennessee? No one. That's a good point. I would so give him probably, just the Atlanta job. Like, Hey, if Ritter could probably struggles. get away with a much smaller number. Yeah. I mean, who in this league right now is dying to put Ryan, Ryan Tannehill at their quarterback spot. That's a good point. I don't no, think he has a fair. market. Um, I think that's fair. No, I think that's perfectly fair. Um, Tannehill is, a, I think it depends on how the, the market evolves. I think it, it, if Lamar Jackson somehow ends up out of Baltimore, then Man, maybe that's a false grace there. going from Lamar to Tannehill. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we went from Matt Ryan to uh, Marcus Mariota and it works out pretty well if you have the, the right offense and set it up right. But you know what? Neither here nor there, but it's like, the thing is, it's like, he's an interesting option. I still think that they're going to roll with Desmond Ritter. I think they draft a backup and then they just, go all in on what Desmond Ritter has. Um, but that's the thing. You're also not terribly all in because if it crashes and burns next year, guess what? You can go draft a quarterback next year. So it's mm. not, it's not the end of the world there. Um, but the thing is, it's like the draft is going to be a very, this is gonna be a fun draft season. I'm very excited about this team because March is going to be fun. It's going to open up. And I'm telling you this team, the excitement around this team is going to start building come March. Uh, they're going to go make some big free agency acquisition. Uh, it, it may not be always, it may not be super flashy necessarily, but it's going to be a player who matters and a player who's going to come in and bring veteran experience. And that's what this team desperately needs. And like I was talking before, we have four players before we came on air. There are four players 
on this team, veteran players that are on under contract between now or after 2023. Only four players. Youngway Koo, Cordero Patterson, uh, Grady Jarrett, and Jake Matthews. That's it. This team needs veteran experience. It needs help as soon as it can get it. Um, so once this money opens up, I think it's going to be really exciting. Plus, if they can keep up and, and stay in like the 5-6 range in the NFL draft, I think this team's going to get a lot better very quickly. We'll see what ultimately happens. I think they're going to be active too, but I think it's going to be defense. I think they're going to spend I a lot of defense. I'm going to guess it is. Um, last thing in the Falcons, what are you looking for in the Cardinals matchup? What is the, the biggest thing you're looking for? Well, they're officially eliminated from playoff contention. I want to mm. see a continued youth infusion. Um, I mean, we've seen that very clearly over the last couple of weeks where you have like Desmond Ritter, obviously we've been talking about a great deal. Tyler Algier, Drake London, um, I, I want to see what these guys can do. Additionally, I want to see Arnold Ebicady turn into a game wrecker. I, he's been so close so many times, and I'm seeing, I'm starting to see some flashes from him. And then Troy Anderson's another guy. Richie Grant's had kind of an up and down season. Uh, he he's shown flashes. I just want to see these young guys continue to develop and play well. And I, I think that one thing I specifically that we talked about uh, on Monday it was that this team can still draw success out of the season, even if they don't make the playoffs, because this team was not never going to be defined by making the playoffs in my eyes. Did you answer the questions about the holes on this roster? Where do you have the deficiencies? What do you need to go after? And I still think that we've done that. You still need to go get a pass rusher. You need to figure out the defensive line, maybe go get another safety, um, find help for AJ Terrell on the outside because Casey Hayward, when he was healthy, was fine, but obviously it's, it's a pretty glaring hole after Casey Hayward. And we see that now. So now you have your answers. Now go address it. Yeah. I also think this is a horrible loss if they drop this one. The Cardinals could not be in more disarray. Like as much as we want to move up in the draft board to be in that number two, number three, four spot. I genuinely win this game. I I, think if they don't, I'm pretty confident that they're going to win this game. I I don't really want them to necessarily. Yeah. and I'm not, and I've said it a thousand times on this podcast and everywhere else that I'm a massive, uh, I don't want to say advocate against, advocate against antagonist when it comes to tanking. I think mm-hmm. it's a stupid concept and they don't do it. And so people should stop talking about it. But I would like the team to lose a little bit just so, mm. because I think the team can get so much better in the coming years. Uh, if you just play the rookies and see what they can do. But if you let Colt McCoy beat you on Sunday, then, well, I mean, then we got a different conversation that we need to have next week. I would agree. Um, Something that I said on this podcast, I told you for weeks. I think I told you for months, Garrett. We were like, I think they might. I was like, Dansby was was gone. I was like, Dansby is a goner. Like the fact this got to this point, it's just, they're fine. And Alex Anthopoulos talks about this where he's like, we're developing doesn't mean everyone's going to work out, but the ones that do we pay them, we lock them in. And then the other ones will adjust on the fly. We'll make yeah. adjustments. We'll address shortstop. If Vaughn doesn't work. And if the shortstops that we run with going into next year are not great right away. I mean, we have a world series expectation that like we'll adjust and we will make a trade or we'll do whatever. But like you look at the deal for Dansby and it's like, I've never been the biggest Dansby guy, as you know, on this podcast this year, obviously a breakthrough year for him, but mm-hmm. to this point, a career average hitter uh, strikes out a lot. Great defender. That was his calling card. Great defender. 
Um, I think Vaughn has more upside with his bat, and I would assume he's going to be a better uh, hitter. And it's not like he'll, he'll be a train wreck at short, I don't think. Um, I also just, I think the Braves do deserve the benefit of the doubt, by and large, with young players. Um, they have hit so many, and that's always been a worry for me, but it's like, hey, if they were going to go down this road, it's very different than Freddie from last year. I think the vibe is different. I think Braves fans understand it better. I think Freeman was an abject disaster last year. Like that was one that should not have gotten to that point. And you can assign blame, whatever. We don't have to relitigate all that. But like, look, I got a Matt Olson jersey for Christmas and fellow Part B guy, graduated this brother, all that, watched him at Part B. Big Matt Olson guy. Good kid. Um, it still was a situation where they were very, very lucky. Like that one was lucky. They were able to flip Freeman into uh, Matt Olson and getting him to a long-term deal and all that. But that was just a very, very luck. Just Olson was getting ready to leave at the right time. Their A's were rebuilding. You had this franchise first baseman who was going to be on the trade block, and you're able to do that. There was nobody out there at shortstop. The Braves were able to just flip and trade for a Dansby replacement, like some young 25-year-old shortstop that you could just sign and who's been on an A's-like team. That guy wasn't available. Those guys were free agents. And if you weren't going to pay Dansby, and what we learned is he was the least valued of the four. Um, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, and Carlos Correa all getting bigger deals and bigger priorities um, than Dansby. And that's what we thought going in. I'm just not as all, I'm not all concerned. Like I was far more concerned about what it was going to be like without Freddie Freeman. um, Just because Freddie Freeman's an an LMVP type player. And even at Olsen's best, I don't think he ever gets to that level. I think he'll be a really good player for Atlanta for a long time. I just don't think you'll ever see him win an MVP and that's okay. I mean, that's why you have the Acunas. That's why you have, it's hard to uh, win MVP at first base too. Yeah. I also think Michael Harris probably has more of a chance at this point. Like I think he's going to be sorry. And that's something else you got to consider with um, Dansby is Harris isn't going to probably start off in the two spot next year. I mean, he has proven enough that, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for Michael Harris. And if he's going to be a great player, then that kind of eases the blow a little bit. I'm just not at all concerned. I think it's going to be like Elvis Andrews or something in short and Vaughn Grissom. And if it doesn't work, they'll make a move. I mean, that's why yeah. they went under the radar and got creative when they brought in Sean Murphy. Um, I don't know. I, I just, where are you at now that you've had a couple of weeks to, to digest the Dansby departure and uh, the Sean Murphy edition? Uh, they made the right decision. I think you, you, allude, you said it pretty well. Um, I, I would have liked to have had Dansby Swanson back here, not for that money and not for that length. Like it's just not. I mean, you think about it, twenty-five AAV, mm-hmm. twenty-five and a half. I think AV, AAV over the course of that many years. The first thing that's going to go is his defense, and that's mm-hmm. just the way it goes at shortstop. And the thing is, if Dansby loses that defense, that Gold Glove style of defensive play, then he loses value very, very rapidly, and at that point, then you're stuck with him. And then it's just, and the thing is, it's like, I don't think it's going to be this, this crazy drop off to the point where it's like, he turns into just an unsalvageable player because we've seen how good he can be with the bat in his hands. Um, Chicago is interesting for him. I'm not going to get all the way into that um, necessarily, but I'm, I'm glad he found some place that he can, he's, he's going to be a fan favorite very quickly there. They're going to love him in Chicago. But at the end of the day, it's like, the Braves have too many fish to fry. They can't afford to lump $25.5 million, the biggest contract they would have ever signed on an AAV, into Dansby Swanson, especially the year after they let Freddie Freeman walk. Mm-hmm. 
just not something that I see them doing necessarily, especially with some of these other players they have coming due for a contract, a la Max Freed. Um, and I think Max Freed is a much more valuable player necessarily. So this is just one of those situations. I mean, it's like, it sucks. The Braves are not a better team because they lost Anthony Swanson, at least in 2023. However, I think that, I think you can survive this. I mean, Von Grisham is a fine player. I, I think he's not exactly ready for this stage. But he also doesn't necessarily have to be. You 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 platoon him. I think you alluded to that quickly. I mean, you platoon him in this and find another guy who can come in and kind of take away some of those at bats from him. Not necessarily at bats, but just games played. Um, but I think he showed what he could be. I think he also showed how bad he could be. At least, but we saw that in October. Um, losing Dansby sucks. Sean Murphy, though, I think is a very interesting deal because. It was a position that was a perceived major strength. I mean, we had the best backstop duo in the in, in Major League Baseball. And then you go out and trade one of those guys, and then you bring in debatably the best defensive shortstop in, in the game, uh, if not one of the best. He's, he's right there with JT Realmuto as just as far as being the best catcher in baseball. And then all of a sudden, like, your position got a little bit better. I think they did sat, substitute – or like, they lost a little bit as far as that goes. Um, but I think Sean Murphy's, he plays well into what this offense wants to do. Um, and I think that says that Contreras just wasn't going to develop. They, they didn't see that he was ever going to develop into that everyday catcher that they needed him to be once they move on from Travis Darno in like a year or two. So I think that's really more what they were saying in that regard. But look, at the end of the day, they got the best player in that, in that trade. Sean Murphy is going to be a stud here for the next five years and he's going to be fantastic with his with this group so i'm not worried about that and it's like you turned that into we it was going to be an issue i think in two or three years in alex anthopoulos he's been a master at looking five years down the road not just at next year or the year after that like our friends in new york like they we have a team that's set up to be a contender for the next half decade if not more so I, i i defer to alex anthopoulos on all of these decisions because he's rarely led us astray. Uh, but as far as like the depth goes and developing young talent, I think you, you started talking about that. I think we really have a lot of work to do. I think that one thing that a lot of people talk about is like, Oh, well the, the Braves farm system isn't where it needs to be. Yeah. Because they're all playing major league baseball now and they hit on so many guys. But at that, on that note, we still need to go back and develop some of these assets because we've traded away a lot of these assets for the for these big players like Matt Olson and uh, Sean Murphy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We got to go back to the farm system and, and redevelop it. It's going to take some time, but we'll be fine. Um, Braves will be in good shape. We'll be okay. We'll be contending for the division for the next five years. We may not win it all five times, but we've exceeded the luxury tax, and we've they've said they've shown us that. They, they have the willingness to spend the money and do what it takes to win. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be the favorites in the NL East for a while. Like, I think that's just the They've Mets been the have favorites spent... the last five years. But that's my thing. It's like, I think what they in baseball is different where it's like, you don't have to be the best team on paper to win the, the World Series. Like, you, you just need the to be in the on... top five, seven team group, right? You just want to be in the mix. If you're in the mix mm-hmm. every year, then anything can happen. I mean, the Braves that I think you could even say, what, 2020, the 2020 team was better than the 2021 team? going into the playoffs oh, like, yeah so oh yeah that team didn't win <laughs> and the yeah, I said one did. last year was better than all of them right so it's just you know <laughs> it's just one of those it, that, that i don't really read too much into that i will say 
it, when you look around the league, like one of the things that you notice for the last couple of years is like there's just a dearth of catcher talent. Like there's mm-hmm. just er, most teams around the league have not figured out the catcher spot. Most of the teams catchers cannot hit or they have to sacrifice one way or the other. Either we're going to go defense today or hitting. We just don't have both. And the Braves were like, we're not playing that game with Contreras uh, for years and years. And I will say, and I think even Alex and Thomas would probably agree with this. It's just that like Sean Murphy is safer. And I think Sean Murphy will be good in Atlanta. And you can count on Sean Murphy yeah. for the next three to five years while you're contending and everything. And you don't have to worry about that position anymore. Mm-hmm. But Contreras still has star potential. He was still an all-star and you put him in Milwaukee who has developed catchers really well especially defensive catchers, you have to be okay if you're a Braves fan of like, hey, Contreras might be an all-star and a perennial all-star in Milwaukee. He could be the better player versus Sean Murphy, but he may never have been that person in Atlanta. And I don't know. I'm still pretty high on Contreras. I think losing the bat I'm very high on Contreras. I'm like, look, I'm very high on Contreras. I think Contreras can potentially develop into a player who could hit 40 home runs a year. He's that kind of power hitter. The thing is, he would have been doing that in the designated hitter spot, which I think for the Braves, it doesn't make as much sense to have him right. doing that because Travis Darno was your your defensive catcher, and we talked about this a lot. And I feel like people forget about this very quickly until he, until you're rudely reminded of it. Travis Darno cannot throw somebody out at second. Mm-hmm. He is incapable of throwing somebody out at second base. Mm-hmm. Sean Murphy doesn't have that problem. The Atlanta Braves as a team are much better for having Sean Murphy on this team. Contreras may be a better hitter. He might be a flashier player, but Sean Murphy makes the Atlanta Braves a better baseball team, period. Mm. I think that there's just no way around that fact. I mean, and but you aren't going to get that deal done without getting a, a flashy guy like Contreras as a part of it. And Darno's going to be fine in the designated hitter spot until we move on him and we fill that spot with somebody else. But the thing is, it's like that's the beauty of the designated hitter. It could be anybody. You don't need to make it a catcher or something or a first baseman. It just, it could be literally anybody. And the Braves are in a situation where it's like we were kind of hamstrung to those two guys. So we just opened it up a little bit and and we had a good problem where we had so many guys who we could fl- fill into that designated hitter spot. And I think we just opened, a, opened it up a little bit more for next year and we'll really be on that. I'm more worried about left field. Like if they're doing all over again with Rosario and Ozuna, <clears throat> I'm going to lose my mind. That I'm more concerned about is not addressing that spot. Like I would prefer yeah. they figure something out there before the start of next year. I think if they are just rolling and see what happens where it's like, we think Ozuna and <laughs> Rosario can bounce back. I'm going to be like, well, they can't. So I need you to move on from that and figure out plan B. Yeah. See, this was my situation. This is my thought process, at least, is that Mm -hmm. we were going to, whether we re-signed Dansby Swanson or traded for somebody or like Willie Adams or something or whatever. I thought that they were going to come in, go get a defensive shortstop, go put him at short and then go find and then go stick Grisham in left field and then just dump uh, Ozuna. Hopefully just cut him. Just do something. Get rid of him. I don't know how much that money is guaranteed. I don't even know what they're going to do with that. It's, that's such an ugly contract. It's so bad. I, but that's what I thought that they were going to do. But left field now just feels almost like they're going to have to run it back. I, I really don't know what the issue is. Or I mean, I know what the issue is. I just don't know what the solution is. Um, and it's kind of that's that's the part that's really kind of a, a messing with me here with this team and like really holding me back from saying that this team could really come back and repeat as division title winners. 
the Braves are going to be very, very good. Like this is a team that's going to win 90 to 100 games, if not more. But you do have the neighbor to the north who is spending buku dollars to make sure that that doesn't happen a sixth consecutive time. Mm -hmm. So are the Mets a better baseball team than the Braves? No, I don't think so. I I think that they're – the way they're running it back, they're running it back with the same – team they're a really good baseball team they're really really I mean, good there's a reason they were in first the there majority was a good of last reason. year they were on a 101 101 win pace they didn't Throughout collapse the like that's the thing the braves just season. got super hot the braves, the braves were, were on a 116 win pace for yes. like three and a half months yes and everyone's like and i think the people just kind of that is like no, the mets collapse i'm like no really the braves were just that good yeah it's more yeah the braves are just incredible but the other thing that i feel like doesn't get enough attention to is is the Atlanta Braves were on a 116 game winning pace last year with a at best 50% Ronald Acuna still yeah. coming back no Ozzy Albies and a hole in left field. And then Matt Olson really didn't play that well in spurts. Like he was really bad in spurts. Mm-hmm. This team still was on a 116 game win pace. You come back and if if not even 2021 pre-injury Ronald Acuna. Like you give me 2020 Ronald Acuna where he's just really good. Mm. This team is comfortably winning 98, 99, hundred games comfortably. That is how good Ronald Acuna is. Ozzy Albies. If he just comes back and plays Ozzy Albies baseball comfortably 98, mm. 99, hundred wins. That is how good those guys are. And that's how much the Braves missed them last year. That's fair. Um, last thing on the Hawks, Garrett, this is, uh, Luka Doncic has been hurting my feelings, uh, more so than any other player. Uh, hurt the Knicks year. too. I mean <laughs> that too. Um, <laughs> when I saw that, uh, the Mavericks were the number one, uh, the favorites to land Trey Young in a potential Trey Young trade was just like that. That was enough for me to like, just go take a walk around the neighborhood where, Anything like that ever were to happen um, now that it's Landry Field show, I, I, I'd i have to do some really strong thinking uh, about how much investment I can do with this with this team going forward. If it ended up being Trey and Luca as a co-star unit in Dallas after everything would just be be too much for me, Garrett. It would uh, it'd be too much. But the Trey stuff, the fact that it's out there and a lot of Hawks fans got really upset that this was thrown out by Bleacher Report. And I'm like, yeah, there's one thing that Chris Haynes loves to do. It's just stir up things that uh, have no rhyme or reason about them. It's like, no, there are people in the know. This is not like just, he's not doing it for clicks. It's not what's happening here. There is something, there is smoke somewhere. And there is smoke when you think about Trey Young not playing in that game a few weeks ago um, on that Friday. And the weird stuff between him and Nate there. There's some smoke that, it's clear when you watch Trey and DeJounte on the court together, it's me. Ter- it's my turn, your turn, that they are better when they're staggered and that Nate deserves credit for staggering them really well. But done well this year. closing games, opening games, it's still just they haven't quite figured out the best way to do it. That's why I like their plus minus with that group is fine. It's a little bit passable, but it's about even. It's a mm-hmm. it's OK. It's not lighting the world on fire. It's not just like, whoa, this was the missing piece. And I'm not surprised that the, the the report is basically like if Trey 
I mean, if this Hawks team does not make a deep Eastern Conference Finals run or any another one like what he did in 2021, then things are going to get rocky because this is like that we said before the year, you, Max, and I was like, this is it. You've given up all the remainder assets. This is it. Like you have traded for DeJounte Murray, the picks, everything. Like you have tied the Trey Young era to this trade. Whatever happens here, because like John Collins is not bringing any like just franchise altering guy to really change the season. Yeah. It's just it's not going to happen. I I don't know. It's still TBD because people forget that the Celtics were a 500 team um in february of this past season and then they go on their run and they all break out and, and now they're one of the best teams in basketball and have been that for a year and a half mm-hmm. but there's still that opportunity because the talent the seven eight man guy the seven eight man rotation the hawks can still throw out when they're healthy and they have not been healthy kind of like last year around this time where they were just lance stevenson was getting minutes and you're like well, if they were only healthy, but it's like two <laughs> years in a row where it's like, if they were only healthy, then we could really get a, a good read on what the Hawks are. But I think there's just a lot of moving parts. And I just think there's a lot of pressure on this organization. I think part of the reason that Schlenk is no longer calling the shots here is that there's just a lot of pressure from up top to make this work. Like you traded for DeJounte and we're a play-in team right now. And um, I just, I, I don't know. I, it's still really hard for me to get a read week in week out because like there's pros and cons like AJ Griffin was a home run pick like he's going to be a really good player Travis Schlink is a, is is a wizard yeah picking 15 16 17 18 19 well wizard not but you got Jackson. Kevin Herter there he got Kevin John Herter, Collins there true he got AJ Griffin there but his top picks, man, when he's picking in the lottery, yeah, he that's gets not Cam his... Reddish. He, he gets DeAndre Hunter, who's a fine player. When but, available. And Yekka Kongo, who still... Who has just... not taken the next step yeah. in his progression at any stage. He's still the guy from his rookie year. Mm-hmm. No. And you now Capella's that... out. Yeah, now Capella's out. Again, Trey Young's hurt. The whole damn team's hurt. You talked about it a little bit. Like this team can't stay healthy. And you said there's smoke. It was hard to get a good read on him. Well, you said there's smoke, and I don't think it's smoke yet. We're in that situation where somebody flicked a cigarette into a bunch of leaves. Mm. Maybe it'll catch. Maybe it won't. Not exactly smoke yet. It could catch, and if it catches, it'll burn your house down. But we're kind of in that situation right now. But cigarettes probably just going to go out, and Mm -hmm. it'll be fine. Like that's really where we are. But, but I mean, uh, would it really surprise you if this team right now they're a playing team, if they yeah. get trounced by the Celtics in a round one series? That oh, they'd get eviscerated by the Celtics. If, but that's what I'm if saying. The Hawks, if the Hawks stay where they are, well, what happens this summer? Now, if they if they if they make the playoffs as mm. what the eight seed or whatever, mm. they're going to get a eviscerated by the Celtics. And mm-hmm. then people are going to get like, all right, dude, we're right back to where we were in 2010. Like, thank, thank God we have our superstar. That's what everybody always said. We only need a superstar. Well, now we've traded everything away and we have the superstar. Now we're getting, still getting eviscerated in the first round. You know why? Because winning in the NBA is very freaking hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard, especially if you don't have one of the elite players, which I think Trey Young is one of the elite players. I think he absolutely can be. I think, this team could be a top five team. I'm still confident that this can be a four five team. Just haven't had them healthy. And we haven't had the entire team, the original planned rotation of players. I'm not including AJ Griffin. I'm talking about Bogey Bogdanovich. We didn't have him until December 2nd. 
you know? And, and then as soon as he comes back, they played one freaking game together. Just one. Because Bogey comes back and John Collins is hurt. And, we, and John Collins and DeAndre Hunter were hurt, injured. Great. And then those guys come back and Clint Capella goes out. And it's just this endless cycle. We played one game with a full rotation of healthy players. And we won by 25 points. And then they all got hurt again. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. And then, So we can't really judge this team as a completed product because they're not a completed product. Because they haven't played together. So this is a perfect example. You talked about the Celtics last year. I'm not saying that they're going to go be the Celtics and go play in an NBA Finals and play one of the best second halves that we've seen in recent, in the last decade. No, what I think that this team could be is a very damn good basketball team when they're actually healthy and playing together. The only question is, are we able to going? Are we actually going to see that team play before we get to the trade deadline? Because if we get to the trade deadline and we're still where we are right now, I guarantee you. Wrestler is going to stick his fingers in this and try and blow something up. He's going to do it. I, I just, I, I have a feeling that that's what happened with Travis Schlink. I think that that's what's going to happen with, with uh, Landry Fields. I think Landry Fields is a bit of a yes man to Tony Wrestler, and that's why he got put in that position to be the general manager. I'm a little worried. I we This next two months, well, really month and a half, critical basketball. Nate McMillan has to figure it out. He has to get some wins up on the board. He has to. Whether that's figuring out with Trey Young, whether that's just literally just doing whatever you need to do. Just get some wins. Because this team is teetering on very bad. And How are they 27th explosive. in free throw rate? They're 30th in three-pointers made. Like, that's just the biggest indictment. It's where... embarrassing. That's the thing that was turning itself around this last month. Mm. It was This team was very bad from the three-point line. Mm. Trey Young... Trey Young was abysmal from mm-hmm. three in the early part of the season. It was just a slump. And that's just what it, like, that happens to players. Like, that's okay. But he's finally back up to like that 32, he's 31% right now. Yeah. So he's getting up to like that 33% is like really your threshold. Like, if you can shoot 33%, you're a good three point I mean, shooter. He was 38% in the last year. And I think Which he's trending good. back that's towards good. that direction. I, I think mm-hmm. that's where he, that's where he lives. I mean, he's in that 35 to 38 range. And, just with the volume of shots that he takes, I mean, he's kind of, he's got, I just think he's going to bounce every year. I think one year he'll be 39, 40, and then the next he he'll might. be back he's down just, to 34. He's 33. super inconsistent. Yeah. And and that's just, I think we've just come to know Trey is just a very inconsistent player who's, who can be a pull your hair out type of player, or he'll be the best damn player on the court. Like he's one or the other, and it's very rarely anything in between. Uh, he's a guy who's scoring 35 points and, and dishing out 15 assists. Or he scores 25 points on 25 shots. You know, it's like he's going to get his points, but it's just the kind of player he is. And it's very frustrating sometimes. But, you know, you take the good with the bad because this is this is the bed we've made. So you've got to sleep in it. I just hope it gets figured out before the trade deadline and people start freaking out for real. Like you said, though, I think with the Hawks, the one thing I will, and I've been hard on them, it's just that, like, there's no, still enough. We, yeah, we have expectations. Well, it's also just you made moves. There's enough top end talent that like I just I think we've seen this group obviously make the Eastern Conference Finals. I think DeMar I think DeJounte Murray and what he's done defensively is huge. Like they're 13th in defense and he's been yep. everything you wanted there. The shooting is still rough. I think part of it is just Nate's not the guy to maximize his offense. Like I think that's that's what I, my concern was going into this year is you're gonna have to be creative. 
to make this group work with Capella being a non-shooter, John Collins being a non-shooter this year. I think they the lineups just have too many non-shooters in them uh, a lot of times, and that's just some of it's just injuries, some of it's um, just well, you traded Gallo, you traded Herder, Kevin Herder. Those are your two two of your most consistent. And you knew Bogey was going to be healthy this year. And, and you knew Bogey wasn't going to start the year. Like that was one of those where you're like, we're going to bank on Justin Holiday, and then we just wave Mo Harkless. Like that was just a money loss. So the the Herder trade is a big part of what's going on, especially earlier this year, because he just would have been so <clears throat> critical to withstanding these. Like they're not thirtieth and three pointers made with Kevin Herder on this roster. Like that's just no, not no. Not a, uh, no, even if if Bogey's playing, they're yeah. not thirtieth. If Bogey just played the first half of the season, if like assuming he's healthy, this is a top fifteen unit. That's how yeah. serious. And then you're di- top fifteen in both ways. And then you're like, oh, we're really cooking with oh, something here. Really good. Like if you have this, and that's why I'm not hitting the panic button necessarily. Mm-hmm. We still have sixty percent of the basketball season to play. Mm-hmm. We got a long way to go. This team, I, I'm very convinced that this team has like a nine game winning streak in it. You know, like this is a game. This is a team that can just all of a sudden explode. Mm. I don't think that they're an NBA title contender. I don't think. I think that they're. I think that they're a four or five seed in the Eastern Conference. They're better than seventeen and eighteen, but they also haven't been healthy. They haven't hit their shots. They haven't. They they've played good defense, but hasn't really amounted to much. And then Nate McMillan has made some frustrating decisions. Like, what was it Wednesday? We didn't call that damn timeout. Mm. I know, I know. Dejounte Murray took the blame or whatever because mm-hmm. he's a leader. He's a good player, but which this team needed a leader, and I think Dejounte Murray is that leader. He's quickly emerging into that role. But you're playing a really good Nets team, a, a Nets team that's won its last ten games, and you you had him on the ropes, had a chance to beat him. You have six seconds, two timeouts. Call a damn timeout. Man, it's just Nate's frustrated me a, a great deal this year. But if he does, if he, if we have that situation where the one that you set up, where they're in the play-in, and, no, he's fired. If if they don't make the playoffs outright, he's fired. Well, I think if they're at this point in two months, he's fired. Like if it we're in February and they're still at the eight nine seed range, I think he's fired. No, I don't think so. It would have to be okay. end of the season. No, they'd have to bottom would have to fall out because you fire him, this team doesn't get better. You don't get well, better immediately. By then you just him. throw in Ime Udoka, right? That's oh yeah, no, you just throw in yeah because you have what ninety? Uh, what was it? What's that situation we had when you had um um what's the damn coach's name? Who's the last coach for the Hawks? What was his name? Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce. Like you fired Lloyd Pierce in February. Everyone's like, oh yeah, we'll just fire him because we did it last time and it worked. And we went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, because you had a, a an assistant coach with seven hundred games coached on Nick your Van bench, Axel, ready to go. Like, God, <laughs> I think on our bench, we have one guy who has interim experience and he coached for like two weeks. Like, that's what we have on our staff. Everyone it's thinks just... that these guys grow on trees and it's ridiculous to me. But I think you go get like a true offensive minded coach. Quinn Snyder, maybe. What if you go get like Dave, Steve Nash or something? No, I don't want Steve I don't Nash. want that at all. I don't want it at all. But it just takes some creativity. And I, I just don't think that I'm Sam starting to Cassell? come aboard. I'm coming aboard the, the thought process that Nate's just not the guy to make this work. Yeah. But then that would be the second coach that trade young has gotten fired in three years. And that mm-hmm. doesn't make me feel too good, but here we are. I, this was an issue. This was an issue for Nate, his entire career though. He's, he's very stoic and he stubborn and he sticks with the way, the things that he does. It just, it's just what he, who he is. And that's okay. It's, it's, 
he's had a very successful NBA career, but maybe I, that's uh, not the best coach for Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Let's just see what happens once Collins is traded for Bogdanovich. Let's just see what happens when that trade happens and they just play Collins or Bogey, the other Bogey, Big Bogey is what we'll call him. Oh, Big Bogey man. and Little Bogey. Big Bogey at the four. You'll have Jameson and, Crowder here too. Yeah. This team yeah. just doesn't get better if you trade if you trade John Collins, the team doesn't get better. Well, they have to upgrade the shooting. Like you have no shot with the shooting as is what it is right now. Like I don't you disagree. have no shot. I don't disagree. None. I don't disagree. So Collins is the one you have to move. Because who else is moving? He's the only person you can move. Yeah, so you have to get shooting. Who in else are you going to move? You're not trading like AJ Griffin. For... No one wants anybody else. No, it has to be for... Like Inyaku a... Kong would... I love Inyaka. I love Well, now Inyaka. you have to use him because Capella's out and you can't even count on Capella. Hey. Like, Inyaka can't go anywhere. Inyaka's been so frustrating, dude. I expected so much more out of him and he just hasn't delivered. He's just not been the guy that I expected him to be. Yeah. Well... You know, we'll see what happens this weekend in the coming weeks. I still think there's enough. Big month ahead. Big, big month. So Critical month. Hawks fans, strap in because I think it's going to get very interesting in a hurry here for the Hawks. Um, Garrett Chapman, what can the good folks check out from you across uh, the airwaves and internet this week? Uh, 247, I've got some features coming out. Off season is in full effect down over there on the flats. So we'll be getting some... Uh, some feature pieces coming out here very soon. So check that out. GChap ATL on Twitter at go yellow jackets, go jackets.com is the website. Two, four, seven sports, um, college football game time preparation for the peach bowl tomorrow. The George Bulldogs, ironically, it's weird talking about both of those in the same sentence like that, but you know, uh, Bulldogs taking on Ohio state big game tomorrow. It's college mm-hmm. football game time is on Saturday and then Falcon five on Sunday, of course. So, We'll be catching all the reactions to whatever happens on Sunday, which I don't know. We'll see. Well, hold on. It'll Big game is tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Big the one Orange tonight. Bowl. How are you feeling? I don't think they win. I don't know. I go back and forth. I don't on know. Podcast uh, yeah, I think I think Clemson's. Clemson's a big team. I'll go Tennessee just because number one offense, I think they'll finish it out. And Kate Klubnick has not played four full quarters um, against an SEC team. And I'm excited State. to see Kate. Klubnick's a Joe. stud. He's a stud. He, I've, when when you see him play, he is in flashes. He is just so talented. true freshman though. Yeah, SEC defense. Tennessee's been great against the run all year long. Top twenty team against the run. I don't know if Will Shipley shut down. I think this will be an interesting game. I think this would be a big. I think if if I had come to you at the beginning of the season, because I know most Tennessee fans are disappointed. If I had come, I to predicted you, ten and two before the year. I said that they would split to, I, Georgia I and Alabama, like, this, and then they would lose to a, a dumb game like South Carolina. I have receipts, man. I said that mm. we were going to split. You guys were going to split against Georgia and Alabama. Mm. I did say that. No, the beginning of the season, I had Tennessee as my second best team in the in the SEC East. But look, this is they're a good team. But if I had come to you at the beginning of the season, the average Tennessee fan, I said you were going to finish ten and two mm. with an Orange Bowl appearance, not mm. even win. I guarantee you, ninety five percent of Tennessee fans would have taken that. It's just unfortunate because the loss is... Well, the way it happened. It's recency bias. Like, if you lose that South Carolina game in that way in week four... That was ugly. No one cares. You win that game, you're maybe in the playoff. No, you're absolutely in the playoff. Like, if they say, win that game, they're in. I'd say 75% chance you're in the playoff. There's no way they put in Ohio State over Tennessee in that <sighs> circumstance. You never know. Because you also have the, the hooker injury and everything else. Well, that's also implying a hooker doesn't get injured. I should... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then, never mind. Yeah. Different conversation, then. Garrett Chapman, always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Of course. In the new year. 
I'll talk to you next year. People love when you make that bid. I'll talk to you next year. I love it. See you, buddy. (laughs) See you, bud. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.